Act Five of Jane Shore, A Tragedy by Nicholas Rowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act the Fifth, Scene One, A Street. Enter Belmore and Dumont. You saw her then. I met her as returning in solemn penance from the public cross. Before her, certain rascal officers, slaves in authority, the knaves of justice, proclaimed the tyrant Gloucester's cruel orders. Around her, numberless, the rabble flowed, shouldering each other, crowding for a view, gaping and gazing, taunting and reviling, some pitying, but those, alas, how few! The most, such iron hearts we are, and such the base barbarity of humankind, with insolence and lewd reproach pursued her, hooting and railing, and with villainous hands, gathering the filth from out the common ways, to hurl upon her head. Inhuman dogs! How did she bear it? With the gentlest patience, submissive, sad, and lowly was her look. A burning taper in her hand she bore, and on her shoulders carelessly confused, with loose neglect, her lovely tresses hung. Upon her cheek a faintish blush was spread. Feeble she seemed, and sorely smit with pain, while barefoot as she trod the flinty pavement, her footsteps all alone were marked with blood. Yet, silent still she passed, and unrepining, her streaming eyes bent over on the earth, except when, in some bitter pang of sorrow, to heaven she seemed in fervent zeal to raise, and beg that mercy man denied her here. When was this piteous sight? These last two days, you know my care was wholly bent on you to find the happy means of your deliverance, which, but for Hastings' death, I had not gained. During that time, although I have not seen her, yet diverse trusty messengers I've sent to wait about and watch a fit convenience to give her some relief but all in vain, a churlish guard attends upon her steps, who menace those with death that bring her comfort, and drive all succour from her. Let him threaten. Let proud oppression prove its fiercest malice. So heaven befriend my soul, as here I vow to give her help and share one fortune with her. Mean you to see her thus in your own form? I do. And have you thought upon the consequence? What is there I should fear? Have you examined into your inmost heart, and tried at leisure the several secret springs that move the passions? Has mercy fixed her empire there so sure that wrath and vengeance never may return? Can you resume a husband's name, and bid that wakeful dragon, fierce resentment, sleep? Oh, thou hast set my busy brain at work. And now she musters up a train of images which, to preserve my peace, I had cast aside and sunk in deep oblivion. Oh, that form, that angel face on which my dotage hung! How I have gazed upon her, till my soul with very eagerness went forth towards her and issued at my eyes. 
Was there a gem which the sun ripens in the Indian mine, or the rich bosom of the ocean yields? What was there art could make, or wealth could buy, which I have left unsought to deck her beauty? What could her king do more? And yet she fled. Away with that sad fancy. Oh, that day. The thought of it must live forever with me. I met her, Beaumont, when the royal spoiler bore her in triumph from my widowed home. Within his chariot by his side she sat and listened to his talk with downward looks, till sudden as she chanced aside to glance, her eyes encountered mine. Oh, then, my friend, oh, who can paint my grief and her amazement? As at the stroke of death, twice turned she pale, and twice a burning crimson blushed all over her. Then, with a shriek heart-wounding, loud she cried, while down her cheeks two gushing torrents ran, fast falling on her hands, which thus she wrung. Moved at her grief, the tyrant ravisher, with courteous action, wooed her off to turn. Earnest he seemed to plead, but all in vain. Even to the last she bent her sight towards me, and followed me, till I had lost myself. Alas, for pity! Oh, those speaking tears! Could they be false? Did she not suffer with you? For, though the king by force possessed her person, her unconsenting heart dwelt still with you. If all her former woes were not enough, look on her now. Behold her where she wanders, hunted to death, distressed on every side, with no one hand to help. And tell me, then, if ever misery was known like hers. And can she bear it? Can that delicate frame endure the beating of a storm so rude? Can she, for whom the various seasons change to court her appetite and crown her board, for whom the foreign vintages were pressed, for whom the merchant spread his silken stores, can she entreat for bread, and want the needful raiment to wrap her shivering bosom from the weather? When she was mine, no care came ever nigh her. I thought the gentlest breeze that wakes the spring too rough to breathe upon her. Cheerfulness danced all the day before her, and at night soft slumbers waited on her downy pillow. Now, sad and shelterless, perhaps she lies where piercing winds blow sharp, and the chill rain drops from some penthouse on her wretched head, drenches her locks, and kills her with the cold. It is too much. Hence, with her past offences, they are atoned at full. Why stay we, then? How let us haste, my friend, and find her out? Somewhere about this quarter of the town I hear the poor abandoned creature lingers. Her guard, though set with strictest watch to keep all food and friendship from her, yet permit her to wander in the streets, there choose her bed, and rest her head on what cold stone she pleases. Here then let us divide, each in his round to search her sorrows out, whose hap it is first to behold her. This way let him lead her fainting steps, and meet we here together. Exeunt. Scene two, a street. Enter Jane Shore, her hair hanging loose on her shoulders, and barefooted. Yet, yet, endure nor murmur, O oh my soul, for are not thy transgressions great and numberless? Do they not cover thee like rising floods, and press thee like a weight of waters down? 
wait then with patience, till the circling hours shall bring the time of thy appointed rest, and lay thee down in death. And hark, methinks the roar that late pursued me, sinks like the murmurs of a falling wind, and softens into silence. Does revenge and malice then grow weary and forsake me? My God, too, that observe me still so close, tire in the task of their inhuman office, and loiter far behind. Alas, I faint. My spirits fail at once. This is the door of my Alicia. Blessed opportunity. I'll steal a little succour from her goodness, now while no eye observes me. She knocks at the door. Enter servant. Is your lady, my gentle friend at home, oh, bring me to her? Hold, mistress. Whither would you? Pulling her back. Do you not know me? I know you well, and know my orders, too. You must not enter here. Tell my Alicia. Tis I would see her. She is ill at ease and will admit no visitor. But tell her, tis I, her friend, the partner of her heart. Wait at the door and beg. Tis all in vain. Go hence and howl to those that will regard you. Shuts the door and exit. It was not always thus. The time has been when this unfriendly door that bars my passage flew wide and almost leaped from off its hinges to give me entrance here when this good house has poured forth all its dwellers to receive me. When my approach is made a little holiday, and every face was dressed in smiles to meet me. But now tis otherwise, and those who blessed me now curse me to my face. Why should I wander, stray further on, for I can die even here? She sits down at the door. Enter Alicia in disorder, two servants following. What wretch art thou whose misery and baseness hangs on my door? whose hateful wine of woe breaks in upon my sorrows and distracts my jarring senses with thy beggar's cry. A very beggar, and a wretch indeed, one driven by strong calamity to seek for succours here, one perishing for want, whose hunger has not tasted food these three days, and humbly asks for charity's dear sake a draught of water and a little bread. And dost thou come to me? To me for bread? I know thee not. Go, hunt for it abroad, where wanton hands upon the earth have scattered it or cast it on the waters. Mark the eagle and hungry vulture, where they wind the prey. Watch where the ravens of the valley feed, and seek thy food with them. I know thee not. And yet there was a time when my Alicia has thought unhappy sure her dearest blessing and mourned the live-long day she passed without me. Inclining fondly to me, she has sworn she loved me more than all the world besides. Ha! Sayest thou? Let me look upon thee well. Tis true. I know thee now. A mischief on thee! Thou art that fatal fair, that cursed she, that set my brain a-madding. Thou hast robbed me! Thou hast undone me. Murder! O oh, my Hastings, see his pale, bloody head shoots glaring by me. Avaunt, and come not near me. To thy hand I trusted all, gave my whole store to thee. 
nor do I ask it back. Allow me but the smallest pittance. Give me but to eat, lest I fall down and perish here before thee. Nay, tell not me. Where is thy king, thy Edward, and all thy cringing train of courtiers that bent the knee before thee? Oh, for mercy. Mercy? I know it not, for I am miserable. I'll give thee misery, for here she dwells. This is her house, where the sun never dawns. The bird of night sits screaming o'er the roof. Grim spectres sweep along the horrid gloom, and naught is heard but wailings and lamentings. Hark! Something cracks above, it shakes, it totters. And see, the nodding ruin falls to crush me. "'Tis fallen, tis here. I felt it on my brain. Let her take my counsel. Why shouldst thou be a wretch? Stab, tear thy heart, and rid thyself of this detested being. I will not linger long behind thee here. A waving flood of bluish fire swells o'er me, and now tis out and I am drowned in blood. Ha! What art thou, thou horrid, headless trunk? It is my Hastings. See, he wafts me on. Away, I go, I fly, I follow thee. Runs off. Alas, she raves, her brain, I fear, is turned. In mercy look upon her, gracious heaven, nor visit her for any wrong to me. Sure I am near upon my journey's end. My head runs round, my eyes begin to fail, and dancing shadows swim before my sight. I can no more. Receive me, thou cold earth, thou common parent. Take me to thy bosom, and let me rest with thee. Enter Belmore. Upon the ground, thy miseries can never lay thee lower. Look up, thou poor afflicted one, thou mourner whom none has comforted. Where are thy friends, the dear companions of thy joyful days, whose hearts thy warm prosperity made glad, whose arms were taught to grow like ivy round thee and bind thee to their bosoms? Thus with thee, thus let us live, and let us die, they said. Now, where are they? Ah, Belmore, where indeed? They stand aloof and view my desolation from afar, and yet thy goodness turns aside to pity me. Alas, there may be danger, get thee gone. Let me not pull a ruin on thy head. Leave me to die alone, for I am fallen, never to rise, and all relief is vain. Yet raise thy drooping head, for I am come to chase away despair. Behold, where yonder that honest man, that faithful, brave Dumont, is hasting to thy aid. Dumont? Ha! Where? Raising herself and looking about. Then heaven has heard my prayer, his very name renews the springs of life, and cheers my soul. Has he then scaped the snare? He has, but see... He comes, unlike to that Dumont you knew, 
for now he wears your better angel's form and comes to visit you with peace and pardon. Enter Shore. Speak, tell me, which is he? And oh, what would this dreadful vision? See, it comes upon me. It is my husband. Ah. She swoons. She faints. Support her. Her weakness could not bear the strong surprise. But see, she stirs, and the returning blood faintly begins to blush again and kindle upon her ashy cheek. So, gently raise her. Raising her up. Ha! What art thou, Belmore? How fare you, lady? My heart is thrilled with horror. Be of courage. Your husband lives. Tis he, my worthiest friend. Still art thou there? Still dost thou hover round me? Oh, save me, Belmore, from his angry shade. Tis he himself. He lives. Look up. I dare not. Oh, that my eyes could shut him out for ever. Am I so hateful then, so deadly to thee, to blast thy eyes with horror? Since I'm grown a burden to the world, myself and thee, would I ne'er survive to see thee more. O oh, thou most injured, dost thou live indeed? Fall then, ye mountains, on my guilty head. Hide me, ye rocks, within your secret caverns. Cast thy black veil upon my shame. O oh, night, and shield me with thy sable wing for ever. Why dost thou turn away? Why tremble thus? Why thus indulge thy fears, and in despair abandon thy distracted soul to horror? Cast every black and guilty thought behind thee, and let him never vex thy quiet more. My arms, my heart are open to receive thee, to bring thee back to thy forsaken home with tender joy, with fond forgiving love. Let us haste, now while occasion seems to smile upon us, forsake this place of shame and find a shelter. What shall I say to you? But I obey. Lean on my arm. Alas, I'm wondrous faint. But that's not strange. I have not ate these three days. How merciless. Oh, I am sick at heart. Thou murderous Sora. Would thou still drink her blood? Pursue her still? Must she then die? Oh, my poor penitent. Speak peace to thy sad heart. She hears me not. Grief masters every sense. Enter Catsby with a guard. Seize on them both as traces to the state. What means this violence? Guards lay hold on shore and Belmore. Have we not found you, in scorn of the protector's strict command, assisting this base woman and abetting her infamy? Infamy on thy head! Thou tool of power, thou pander to authority! I tell thee, knave, thou knowest of none so virtuous, and she that bore thee was an Ethiop to her. You will answer this at full. Away with them. Is charity grown treason to your court? What honest man would live beneath such rulers? I am content that we should die together. Convey the men to prison. But for her, leave her to hunt her fortune as she may. I will not part with him. For me, for me, oh, must he die for me? Following him as he is carried off, she falls. Inhuman villains! Breaks from the guards. Stand off! The agonies of death are on her. 
She pulls, she gripes me hard with her curled hand. Was this blow wanting to complete my ruin? Oh, let me go, ye ministers of terror. He shall offend no more, for I will die and yield obedience to your cruel master. Tarry a little, but a little longer, and take my last breath with you. Oh, my love, why dost thou fix thy dying eyes upon me with such an earnest, such a piteous look, as if thy heart were full of some sad meaning thou couldst not speak? Forgive me, but forgive me. Be witness for me, ye celestial hosts, such mercy and such pardon as my soul accords to thee, and begs of heaven to show thee. May such befall me at my latest hour, and make my portion blessed or cursed for ever. Then all is well, and I shall sleep in peace. Tis very dark, and I have lost you now. Was there not something I would have bequeathed you? But I have nothing left me to bestow. Nothing but one sad sigh. Oh, mercy. Heaven. Dies. There fled the soul and left her load of misery behind. Oh, heavy hour. Fare thee well. Kissing her. Now execute your tyrant's will and lead me to bonds of death. "'Tis equally indifferent. "'Let those who view this sad example "'know what fate attends the broken marriage vow, "'and teach their children in succeeding times "'no common vengeance waits upon these crimes, "'when such severe repentance could not save "'from want, from shame, and an untimely grave.' The curtain descends slowly to music. The end. End of Act 5. End of Jane Shore, A Tragedy by Nicholas Rowe.